back, I'm Kim Bailey, she's Fuliana Osborne and this is Inside Exec. Today we're going to talk about how you prepare yourself and perhaps your team for meetings, for presenting at a meeting, whether that meeting is internal in your organisation or at an external meeting or an external presentation of some kind. We want to see what the differences are, what the similarities are and how you can best prepare yourself and have the best presentation that is possible under the circumstances. I'm going to let Fuliana open the discussion because I'm still getting myself worked up after a very big few days at a regional show doing my other stuff, doing the flower arranging. So she can talk for a while on this occasion <laughs> and then I will, I will jump in when I've got my energy levels up to standard. <laughs> Okay, preparing for a big meeting. Now, as Kim said, that could be internal or external. The first thing to do is think way ahead of the meeting. Meeting is coming up. What is that meeting about? We assume we hear saying it is important. So what expected outcome we want for not just for us, but for the other party or parties that are involved in the meeting? How do, as a team leader, how do I prepare myself and how do I prepare my team? The first thing would be it's to communicate. Communicate about what the me there's a meeting coming up, it's important, how is it important? What would that mean to our division if it's in internal? What would that mean to our company if it's external? And what are we going to do in the meantime to get the best out of this meeting? So there's going to be critical decisions made at that meeting that can influence our customers, our shareholders. It could influence our staff, our budget, all sorts of things. So it's, everybody has a stake in it. So make sure that the staff are informed, aware and contribute throughout. Oh yes, that could be the area where the the first bit of a problem might raise its head because we'll often think if we are in the leadership role within a team or the manager of the team, then it is our responsibility to present whatever the team has done or whatever we want to present falls on our shoulders as the leader, as the manager. That shouldn't necessarily be the fallback position. There might be someone in your team who is actually better at presenting. And you can certainly introduce them and hand that over. And I think that that's an interesting way of involving the team, of letting them know that you appreciate that, that you're not the best at everything, that it is in fact a team, and that the team might benefit from someone else who is day-to-day -day involved in the activities being part of the, a major part of the presentation. You might, it might be appropriate to have a few people from the team do the presentation of their particular area of expertise. Even if they're not comfortable doing that, it might be time to give them the opportunity to develop their skills. And what I find in my work with helping people to do presentations is that when they're presenting about a topic that they know and they have heard all of the arguments against that topic, they are far better at presenting their information because they know what the objections are and they've already thought through the objections. They know what the answers to the objections are. So why have the information travelling two or three times through your team to get to you to present the information? 
let the expert do the presentation, but give them the tools, give them the support to make that presentation right. Excellent. The other thing is uh, select the right people to be represented at the meeting, not just a hierarchical thing, as Kim just said. The other thing is, is how well do we know who we're meeting with? That could be internal or external. And sometimes we make the mistake of saying, oh, no, I know her, I met with her before, she's okay, she works over there, we say hello. The point is, is not just knowing who they are, it's knowing what they you think would be interested in for that meeting, what, what's in it for them. Yeah. What do they want to get out of the meeting? Yes. And, and having a chat with someone and seeing them when you buy your coffee in the morning is totally different to you presenting something that's going to take away resources from their area or going to put more pressure on their area. It's, it's not the cup of coffee conversation. <laughs> That's right. The other thing is this bit of history. How's the history been between the two departments or between the external party? Is it the first time we're interacting with an external body or are we going there to do a proposal or have we done business with them before? What's our record like? How did we get on? What sort of things have they been bringing to our attention? Have we addressed them? Haven't we addressed them? Why we haven't? Have we communicated? So these things will come up at the meeting, whether it's internal or external, and we should be prepared without being defensive, saying, listening to your needs, we have been able to fix this, this and this. However, one of the things that we, we require is more information up front from you or whatever that is, done in a way that it is cooperative and not defensive. There's a lot of preparation that needs to go into every meeting and regardless of the lead time that you've got, you should always stop and do some preparation. So even if you have a meeting called that is only hours away, there should still you should still treat that as the most important thing that you're going to do that day. You know, what you were working on at that particular point in time is not as important as a meeting that's been called, you might see it as being called unnecessarily or called too soon or all of the, the objections you might have for having it when it has been called. But it has been called, it can't be changed, obviously, if it's going ahead. So you need to do the preparation and your team needs to do the preparation or help you do the preparation and know that that meeting is happening. That preparation will give more confidence when you're at the meeting because you know your facts, the staff know their facts and the people who aren't attending the meeting have confidence in the ones who are because they know all the facts rather than oh, they go to the meeting and they really don't know enough about it. It's one of those situations like when you're interviewing for staff where you put yourself in their position. So I often used to recommend to people who were new to interviewing staff that they think about being on the other side of the table and how would they like to be treated, how would they like to be interviewed and that gives you a role to follow when you're the interviewer. So in the same token you think about the other people who are going to be at the meeting. What is it, it that if you were on that side of the conference table you would like to hear or you would like to see and see if that is going to work for the presentation that you're thinking about or for the meeting information that you're taking with you. It might not be a presentation. It might just be that you've been called into this meeting because the people who are there need information from your team about what's happening on a certain topic. So make sure you've got that information, but also make sure that you've got all of the 
related information, all of the things that, yeah. that say, say you're at a situation where you're going, you feel that you're going to be brought to task because you're missing deadlines. I'm not saying bring all the excuses in the world for why you're missing deadlines, but talk about the deadlines themselves and the work that goes into actually meeting that deadline and why that timeline is perhaps not, perhaps not correct and perhaps wasn't done in consultation with you or, or hasn't taken into account changes in your team or changes in the processes that lead to that deadline, rather than just worrying about how are you going to convince these people that you need more time or that you haven't been able to do it for whatever reason. It's not about excuses, it's about reviewing the process and the timeline and making sure that everyone that is affected by that timeline and, and those deadlines knows the process and knows each part of the process to the point where they can see that the timeline is either right or needs adjustment. It also helps you plan for the next time so people are aware of that process and therefore it is set so it is met rather than not just fixing what you've got now but then an appreciation by the total group will help set better deadlines for the future. Let's now look at we're at the meeting and we've done all the right things, we prepared beforehand, we did our presentation that said that we haven't been able to meet these deadlines or we haven't got the results that we wanted and these are the factors that have led us to this point where the results are not as good as was thought they were going to be. How do you move on from the fact that the rest of the people at the meeting are saying, well, it's your fault and you need to either you know, shape up or ship out? The very, very important thing is to go there, not just you've, you've got suggestions and solutions going forward, so you have to have that, but you have to actually listen to what they're saying but not, and also to what they're not saying. So by saying to you, having that hard line of saying, look, either ship up or... What, what, shape, shape, shape up or ship out. She has trouble with the shape up bit. Yeah. Shape um, up just doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> and then I think what they're saying is to you, okay, have they got an alternative? Can they go anywhere else? In some cases, yes. In some cases, no. The one that you think they can't go anywhere else because it's an internal arrangement... I think that's the hardest because you've got to live together a lot longer. So it's very, very important to keep that relationship sound. But you might want to acknowledge how they're feeling. So you say, I hear your frustrations. Look, we come up with some solutions and then talk about maybe a compromise if you can't go all the way. But again, that preparation is really what's going to pay up. And the fact that you've got the team that's specially selected, you will draw on each person's strength. Some have the technical knowledge, some have the communication, some have better relationship with the other group. So each of you will play a part. I think when you're looking at the external situation and you're presented with a customer who, or a client who has decided that they don't want your services any longer for whatever reason they've decided, and despite all your best endeavours or your endeavours that, that fit into the service provision that you can give, this person has just made up their mind and it's the, you know, it's the closed door. Leave your side of the door open yes. is my suggestion to you. And now I'll, I'll base it on an experience that I've had over the last 
two weeks. I've had particularly poor service going back a little bit longer than that, but I made the decision two weeks ago that I would sever the ties that I had with this, this service provider and I advised them, used their form, did all the things that fitted their process, even though it wasn't really giving me a particularly good experience. Part of one of that process of cancellation was to rate their service provision. And they had, as we know most organisations do, the scale of 0 to 10, 0 being the bottom. And I wanted to rate them 0, and the system wouldn't let me. <laughs> wouldn't let me put the cancellation in and rate them 0. I had to rate them 1. I put that form in, and it was supposed to take 24 to 72 hours. Nothing happened, didn't get any acknowledgement, nothing happened. So after 72 hours, I went back and tried to do it again. And by this stage, I was getting fairly irritated with the, the process no, because I'd had no contact from the organisation. Did the process again, sent it through again, but this time I knew that I had to rate them one. I couldn't rate them zero, so it was a bit faster this time. And got email within 24 hours to say that they had received the cancellation, but wouldn't I reconsider and wouldn't I like to just talk to them about it? I was so frustrated the second time round that I'd actually put the cancellation request in capital letters which for those of you who are well versed in online activities means that you're shouting if it's all in capital letters. I didn't respond to the request to give them a call and so a couple of days after that I got an email that said oh they were processing my cancellation but in the meantime they could understand that I was unhappy with the, the service and wouldn't I just like to have two months free instead of cancelling the service? Then the, the next paragraph was basically treating me like, with a degree of contempt by telling me that I didn't really know what I was doing and that the situation that had occurred was out of their control and had I been more experienced I would understand that it was out of their control, which in fact wasn't the case because... I use this. I have other providers of this service and they didn't have the same problems as this service provider. So I knew it wasn't my fault. I knew it wasn't an overall fault of this particular service. My reaction to that was to write back and say what part of... I didn't do it. I have to preface it by saying I didn't do this, but my first reaction was I was going to write back and say what part of I want this cancelled do you not understand? So I was even more angry. Two days after this, so, so now we're almost a week after I've asked for the cancellation, so well outside the 72 hours it's going to take, they told me. I get email that says they've processed the cancellation, they're sorry to see me go, and that the refund will happen in this amount of time. And then the last paragraph said, when you are ready to return to us, you can still log in using the login details that you've got now and we would be happy to see you back and that single sentence that single paragraph changed the way took away a lot of the anger a lot of the angst that I had had over that week because I thought well at least they recognized that I was a worthwhile client and they have left the door open it's in my my analytical brain looked at it and said well they've left the door open that's very good and they left it easy easier for me to get to go back to them than it had been to cancel an account in the first place. So just an interesting exercise that came to mind as we were talking about this in the last oh, two weeks. Let's say it's been two weeks. <laughs> well, in other words, that means it's important to leave the person feeling whether they right, wrong, perception or reality is that 
they are welcome and you want to do business with them. That, that you that want a positive outcome. Yeah, that, that their money is worth something. How often yeah. do we, all of us, as customers, feel like our money is not as good as somebody else's? Because you go somewhere and they'll say to you, oh, I'm with a customer. Like, mm. who are you? What am I? <laughs> yeah, I'm just a person standing here. And so it, it's all about that communication. It's about recognising the worth of everybody that's part of the transaction your side as well as the, the customer side. All right, so back to if... What, the, we straight from the top? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> well, no, that's another example, but back to the boardroom to Sarah's situation example we're talking about. Things around the boardroom sometimes are not said, but you can tell that people's reaction, whether it's body language, whether they're not forthcoming. I think finding a way to ask them... And then summarising every now and again throughout the meeting, say, oh, can I just clarify that I understand your needs correctly this mm. far? So, or on the point of X, is this right? What you're looking for from us is. That actually helps people a, relax, know you're listening, mm. and that you know you're going to be delivering on what they want, not what you thought you heard. The people who aren't talking in their body language... Sometimes it's, it's just signs for you to maybe ask clarifying questions or, and ask directly to the person in a very good tone. Tone is very important to say, in your particular area, would that work for you? And this way you know that you're not leaving them out either. So then are we talking about going into these meetings as not necessarily to do a presentation yeah. but to do a negotiation? And should yeah. we be preparing for negotiation rather than presentation? Well, I think even in a presentation, no meeting these days is just present and run and everybody goes, yes, great. So, shame, shame. Yeah. They're always <laughs> the best ones. So <laughs> you, you always got to be prepared for the negotiations. There's always things that, as prepared as you are, there might be one or two things that, not that you've failed to know about beforehand, but it came up as a result of that combined discussion. Or that you didn't think was as critical an issue as is being seen as a critical issue from the other side of the table. Yeah, or something happened in between the last conversation and the meeting that caused you to change direction. So this is why the preparation is really important, but you shouldn't have made up your mind totally about it before you go to the meeting. Having the right people in the room is, is extremely important. The presentation of your people and yourself is also very important. So if you go to an external meeting, you want to look respectful for the other party and so on. So again, appearance and being on time, all of these mm. obvious things. The other thing is that I didn't really touch on before. If you're having a meeting with an external party or internal party, if you're hosting it, the venue is very important. Even when I say a boardroom, which boardroom? Is the lighting okay? Are the, is the equipment there? If you're going to someone else's premises and they're hosting, obviously you don't have a choice of what room or venue to pick. <coughs> but you need to find out so you know at least you've got the equipment there. Well, I think sometimes the knowing the venue for the meeting or the presentation sets the tone. It, tell, it gives you a message. It's one, it's one of these unspoken messages. So if we say that we're going to meet with the client 
in the boardroom and no one ever goes to the boardroom and in fact it's used for storage of the archive boxes then what sort of a message are you sending about that meeting internally if you're going to an external meeting and they say oh we're having it at the such and such hotel in one of their meeting rooms that gives you a message without them having to say what it is that that they're going to discuss there is a lot more about venue preparation dress appearance all of this sort of thing a lot lot more but the main thing is remember they have a stake in the outcome so have you it's not win and lose it's win-win you will find a way whether you're dealing with an internal or external party it doesn't matter and the most important thing is that both parties get an outcome they can work with and live with and cause them to work together again and in terms of internal external repeat business so you want that repeat business that door being open as Kim said even if the this particular proposal didn't go ahead there'll be other opportunities that's when you've got to also follow up you need to must follow up about the meeting but before that you go back to your team and together you and the people with you representing meeting meet with a bigger team and do a bit of a debrief. How did it go? What did you think? How was the reaction? How did everybody feel about it? Um, what do you think all the pluses, all the minuses, the things we can learn from? All of those things and then next steps and follow up. At least thank people for their time at the meeting for all their preparation, keep them involved. Don't just, I've used you now, you don't need to know. Yes, mm. they do. <laughs> I think the after-meeting information session is as important as the preparation. You know, it's one of the reasons that minutes were devised in the first place was that you can have a meeting of two people and they will have very different views on what happened and what was said at that meeting. If you've got a larger number of people who are attending the meetings or whether it's just you on your own, I think that taking notes, and, and if you can't do it at the meeting, do it as soon as you walk out of the room. Put down your impressions, put down the things that's sticking with you in your mind, put down the areas of, that you've got that are of concern, put down the concessions that you had to make or that you have made of, of your own free will. Just make sure that you get a record while it's still really, really fresh in your mind of what happened at the meeting so that you can share it. And if you don't have to share it with anyone so that you can review it yourself before you prepare for the next time you meet with these people or the next bit of work that you have to do. It is as important as the preparation. I agree. And I agree that in most cases you would share it with each other, the two parties, that is. Because what you say, um, just confirming our understanding going forward these are the three action or whatever top points action items and by whom by when sort of thing you're going to act upon them and then at that point it would be better at that point to someone come back say no actually we meant this and then you you agree what the what it should be or change the date rather than go way down the track and then realize that you're not on the same page. It's really important too in terms of knowledge transfer, and we've talked about that in a separate podcast. If you have a meeting and say you're on a committee and you, you're, the committee meets with either within the committee, whether it's, it's an internal 
organisation or you're meeting with external people and the composition of that committee changes for whatever reason and something that you discussed for, for months and months or meetings and meetings that gets put aside for a while and then comes up when the new committee is around and no one on the new committee knows other than what was in the minutes or the records of the meetings what was discussed. They don't know the, the actual discussion that went on. You go over the same ground again rather than say, well, this was discussed at such and such and these were the findings or these were the actions that they, they took or these were the important points that came out of it, whether I've learnt that internally through the team I've worked with or whether it's a, a physical record, then you can move on from that point. You're not wasting time going back over the things that have already been discussed just because you don't have knowledge of them. That knowledge hasn't been transferred to you in this situation or for this situation. Well, I think we've exhausted that topic because I'm getting the waving of hands and you know that that's a really, really serious signal when she's run out of things to say on a topic. She's saving herself for the next one, obviously. So we'll leave that for today. I hope that's helped you think about preparation for meetings and your review time after meetings. I'm Kim Bailey. She's Fuliana Osborne and this is Inside Executives.